Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story today is nature news. Ooh. This is from Fox News. Millions of people across the world will witness a partially red-tinted night sky as a rare celestial event arrives this weekend. A super wolf blood moon eclipse. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Are we it's really be okay? intense. Werewolves will come out of the woods. I'm just kidding. Oh, good. We don't have wo- we don't have woods near us anyway, so we'll be we'll yeah, be we'll fine. Be fine. Uh, North America hasn't had a decent view of this type of event in the last three years, and another total lunar eclipse, which occurs when the entire moon enters the Earth's shadow, isn't expected to happen again until 2021. NASA predicts. Hmm. Uh, quote: There is a little less than one total lunar eclipse per year on average. A lunar eclipse can only happen during a full moon when the moon is on the opposite side of the Earth from the sun. Walter Freeman, an assistant teaching professor in the physics department at Syracuse University, said in an emailed <laughs> statement to Fox News. <laughs> that was a long sentence. Yeah. Uh, but the moon's orbit is tilted a little bit compared to the Earth's, so usually when the moon is full, the Earth's shadow passes a little bit above or a little bit below it, and that's why we don't have a lunar eclipse every month. So if you remember that from your grade school solar system lessons, <laughs> that's why this doesn't happen all the time is because it's like slightly tilted yeah, off. Yeah, so. slightly offset. Uh, This lunar eclipse will last approximately one hour and two minutes. It will kick off around 11.41 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday, January 20th. Okay. This this coming Sunday. Yeah. And it will peak around 12.16 a.m. Eastern Time on Monday or like at, you know, uh, 12.16 a.m. that night. Hmm. So the night between Sunday and Monday. That's not awesome. No. I have work the next day. Yeah. It's not great, but... If you want to stay up, if, like midnight's not that bad, I midnight's guess. Not, it's not terrible. Staying up I can re- I can recover from that. Mm-hmm. I think I could do. I'm yeah. probably going to stay up and try to see it. Yeah. Uh, so North and South America and portions of Western Europe and Africa will be able to see the blood moon that evening. Wow. That's... So we're in the <laughs> range. Cool. Uh, according to Freeman, the moon won't be completely invisible during this period of totality when the Earth's shadow completely covers it. A bit of sunlight is refracted by the Earth's atmosphere and reaches the moon, bending around the edges of the Earth. This small amount of red light still illuminates the moon enough for us to see it. Instead of being bright and white, the moon will be very dim and red, 10,000 or so times dimmer than usual. And the red color is why people call it a blood moon. Um, And unlike solar eclipses, which require special equipment to view, you don't need anything special to look at this. You can just look at it with your bare eyes and be fine. (laughs) So that's good. Good, yeah. It sounds super spooky. So yeah, I'm I'm excited. I want to yeah. I want to see it. Yeah, that, that, I can stay up. I'll, <laughs> I'll allow it. You'll allow it. Yeah, I'll just sleep in a little bit next day. It'll be fine. I'm gonna try to do that. Yeah, decided. All right. Me too. Okay, let's both do it. Yeah. Okay. My first story is anthropology news. <laughs> this comes from Time Magazine. Uh, scientists may have solved one of Easter Island's most puzzling mysteries. Ooh. I thought this was neat. I, I've always thought Easter Island was such an, like, it's it's not, like, supernatural, but it's got kind of this mysterious air about it because yeah. nobody really understands any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but prepare to have that mystery shattered. Uh, oh. <laughs> scientists believe they have solved one of the mysteries of Easter Island's famous statues, why they are there. 
Okay. A, uh, a new study says that the stone monoliths dotting the remote Pacific Island might have been placed to point the way to drinkable water. Oh. Which is a very practical reason for them to be around. Yeah. Uh, many of them were built on ancient platforms located near freshwater resources, according to the study that was published in the journal. We've had this one before, PLOS One, P-L-O-S. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, on Thursday. What is with the spelling of that I, term? I, I do not know. <laughs> we'll have to find out. Yeah. Uh, the discovery could give scientists further insight into the little-known civilization that inhabited the island, including how they survived in an under-resourced environment. Uh, Easter Island's indigenous people, known as the Rapa Nui, uh, built nearly 1,000 of these statues, known as Moai, as I'm sure you've heard, um, from the 13th century until they came into contact with European explorers in the 18th century. So that's a lot of statues. Yeah. The study's authors found that these platforms the statues were located on corresponded with underground aquifers as well as locations where fresh groundwater ran off into the ocean creating a briny mix that might have been drinkable and there are actually european records that suggest that they did drink like salty water which isn't good really? for you that is but apparently yeah. if it's i guess the mix might be i mean you're still shunning like <laughs> i don't know I there but there are, there are reports saying that they uh, the European explorers found that they did drink this kind of water, so huh. this might explain where they found it. Okay. Um, and according to one of the authors of the study, every time we saw massive amounts of fresh water, we saw giant statues. It was ridiculously predictable. <laughs> so there's a pretty okay. high correlation of these statues to hmm. fresh water. And the authors suggested that the size of the Moai could even have indicated the quantity and quality of the water at a site. So oh. bigger statue means better or more water. Interesting. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that is. I mean, that is a really practical yeah, reason. Yeah, exactly. It makes it's sense. Like, <laughs> it's not some like ancient ritual or like yeah. homage to the gods or anything. It's just this, hey, there's water here. Yeah. Um, and that the best, makes so much sense. The, and the best way we thought of to show you is this giant head, I guess. Well, that you can probably, well, I don't know how tall they are, but are they like visible from a distance? You know, is one thing where you're like, you're like hiking around and you're yeah. like, oh, where's that? spot with the fresh water like oh wait there's the marker like yeah there's that there's that stone dude yeah he knows where the water is yeah i don't know i've i'm not i've never been to the easter island neither have i that'd be a cool trip that'd be a really cool trip okay well my next story is health news and this is from wired.com and this is about a new publication showing that bio 3d printers can fix potentially can fix spinal cord injuries that's you know how we've talked with talked about uh, like bio 3D printing before? Like printing out skin and organs yeah. and stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now we can print spinal cords? Yeah. What? So, well, that's, okay. That's wild. They can print pieces to fix a broken spinal cord. Mm-hmm. Just published this week. So um, the latest step towards 3D printing replacements of failed human parts comes from a team at UC San Diego. It has bioprinted a section of spinal cord that can be custom fit into a patient's injury. So how did they do this? The scientists first printed out small implants made of soft gel and filled them with neural stem cells, again using a bioprinter. The implants were then surgically placed inside a tiny gap in a rat's spinal cord. And then they observed it, and over time, the new nerve cells and axons grew and formed new connections across the spinal cord of the animal. And then these nerve cells connected not only with one another, but with the host spinal cord tissue and the circulatory systems of the rats, which helped ensure their, that survival in the body wow. of the implanted stuff. Um, 
And the, pre- the precision 3D printing allowed the soft gel and the cellular matrix to fit accurately into the wound. So they like custom like shaped it so it would fit perfectly like in there. Um, so it's awesome. So what? the UCSD That's team so cool. led by uh, Xiao Chen Chen, a professor of nanoengineering with neuroscientist Mark Tusinski, published their findings this week in the journal Nature Medicine. Uh, most work on 3D bioprinting is done in culture dishes, but this experiment was unique in that the team was able to do this in laboratory rats. And also because the lab-grown cells then successfully bridged the gap of a cut spinal cord and partially restored movement to the animal's hindquarters when it had been like damaged, basically. Yeah, like is, they were able to restore movement. That is so cool. <laughs> I know. Uh, 3D printing. Um, we're just going to 3D print whole people. It's going to be Westworld all over. Oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> hey, step by step, we're getting there. Yeah. We're going to have to cross that bridge when we get there. Um, <laughs> but we'll be able to yet. now because we'll have fixed our severed spiner, spinal cords. We'll be able to cross a bridge even if we had a spinal cord injury. <laughs> that was supposed to be a joke and then I, it was just a statement. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what that was. No, <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> um. But yeah, so this is really groundbreaking research. I mean, obviously they haven't tried it in a human yet, but the fact that they were able to do it in an animal successfully is really a big deal. Yeah, that's a really good sign. And it's re- very exciting. Ah, that's so cool. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited about this. Like, I hope that they... I don't know exactly how that process works to, like, apply for, like, oh, can we do, like, a clinical trial with this? But it seems like they can do that. Like, Yeah. I mean, I think so. I say it every time, too. It's like, every time they do something like this, just hints at what's coming in the future and like this mm-hmm. feels like something that was coming in the future and now who knows what comes after like fixing a spinal cord I injury i mean it you can only imagine what they're gonna do honestly next. i'm i'm now thinking of like okay what's the next thing that just seems like oh that's like impossible like how could we even do that mm-hmm. would be maybe like brain injuries right like, that's what i was saying it's like what if like they could repair a section of the brain yeah even? and why not like what why not yeah if you can print certain cells mm-hmm I mean, you probably can't fix something like memory loss or something like that, but sure. if it's just like a section of your brain is damaged physically, you probably could implant cells there to like grow a certain way. But I don't know. It's just really interesting because brain cells don't grow the same way that other cells do. Yeah. Which is part of the reason why like brain injuries are bad because you don't, you don't like regrow it back. Mm-hmm. I don't, that's the extent of what I know about right. it. <laughs> like, that would be really cool if we saw something like that. But. Yeah. You know, now that they've figured out the spine issues. I know. I just, well, now they're just working their way up. Yep. Working their way up the central nervous system. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Okay. My next story is entertainment news. We're going to bring it down a few levels. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This is from the New York Times. An egg, just a regular egg, is Instagram's most like post ever. What? So yeah, we're going from fixing spinal cords to talking about a, the most liked Instagram post of all time. <gasps> but <laughs> this is uh, this I can't is, handle it. <laughs> why? On, Please tell me why. This is on Sunday. No, that's the thing. There is no why. Oh on no! On Sunday night, a photo of it, a regular egg, orange and lightly freckled, uh, beat out Kylie Jenner's birth announcement as the most liked in- Instagram post ever. And by Monday, it had double doubled uh, that birth announcement in likes. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so the birth announcement had 18 million likes. That was the, that was like the currently held record. Okay. Um, 
As of Monday, the egg had been liked by more than 35 million accounts and was still gaining likes at a rapid pace. It's just an egg? It's just an egg. And so, and I, I've pulled it up. What? And right now it has 43,623,159 likes. It's just There's a, not even a background. There's nothing to it. It's literally just a picture of an egg. Um, we do not yet know who posted the egg, why it was posted, or why this attempt to set a record actually worked. And this, I thought this was funny. To put it in perspective, 27 million people watched the Oscars last year. And uh, more people have liked the egg than live in the world's largest city or even in all of Canada. So, and, that, and that's what the 35 million. Even... It's, a, it's a hard number of people to comprehend. 43 million. We don't know why. We don't know why. And like the person behind the account, which I do follow, and I'd have liked the egg picture, uh, they still haven't explained like who they are or why they did this. Um, <laughs> though I will say this? one thing that the article didn't mention, and um, they recently the uh, egg account recently posted in an Instagram story, they're going to start selling merch related to the egg, and they're going to donate some of the proceeds to charity. Oh, I thought that was a really nice okay, way to nice. use like your your fame here. Yeah. Um, but the comments on Kylie Jenner's now second most liked post are now largely egg emoji or the word egg. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's really I, hilarious. That was pretty funny. And in response to this whole thing, she recorded a video of herself cracking a similar looking egg on the pavement <laughs> with the caption, take that egg. <laughs> Anthony, I, I don't, I don't get Instagram. Nobody does. I feel like people younger than me get it. I don't know. I feel like it makes me feel like old and I'm I feel 27. Like a, a lot like, of I'm people not... probably thought they did get Instagram until this happened. And now you think so? Yeah. Now who knows? You saw the picture. It's an egg. It's just a regular. See, when you first said it, I thought maybe it was some cool, like, nope. the background was nope. not even like a like, celebrity really... with it. Something really like aesthetically pleasing or something like the way that they took the picture, but it's just an egg with a white background. Nope. Yeah. Nothing, nothing, I don't nothing to it. see here, folks. Just like it and move on. It's pretty much nonsense. Social media is just nonsense. Nonsense. <laughs> That's what it is. Wow. Okay. Well, my next story is also entertainment news, actually. And it has a slight connection to social media, too. Oh, no. It's not Instagram, but... Well, it can't be worse than mine. <laughs> um, well, it's about the Fire Festival. Do you remember the Fire oh, Festival? Oh, maybe it can be worse than mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you remember the Fire Festival. Um, mm -hmm. And if you are listening to this and you don't know what that was, this explains it. So in April 2017... It was marketed as the party of a lifetime. <laughs> the Fire Music Festival, and that's fire spelled F-Y-R-E. So you know it's good. <laughs> was billed as a two-weekend immersive experience in paradise where festival goers would enjoy top musical arts, acts, sorry, <laughs> top musical acts, not arts. Uh, there weren't musicals happening. It was just like concerts. <laughs> I just made a distinction. Um, a party with supermodels and they would be able to stay in luxe accommodations on a private island in the Bahamas, once owned by Pablo Escobar. But attendees who paid thousands of dollars to fly to the Caribbean for Firefest were greeted with complete chaos. When they arrived, they found a tent city 
and half-built structures. As more ticket holders arrived, they discovered there was not enough security, lights, or food. Live tweets from Ground Zero of the pseudo-concert turned the fest and its co-founders, rapper Ja Rule, I don't actually know how to pronounce that. I think that's right. Okay. And entrepreneur Billy McFarland into the laughingstock of the internet. (laughs) And there were posts about it, like, everywhere for weeks oh yeah um it was great in the aftermath of the debacle firefest was federally investigated and subject to a class action lawsuit mcfarland was arrested and sentenced to six years in prison for defrauding investors for millions of dollars so this is why there's a new story now there's a new netflix documentary <laughs> called <laughs> fire the greatest party that never happened <laughs> and it's coming out on january 18th and it goes behind the scenes with people directly involved in this event to find out exactly what happened and how it all fell apart <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. so for those people out there that are really interested in finding out more details about how this became an epic fail you can watch the documentary um Chris Smith, the documentary director, says that in terms of marketing, Fire Media succeeded in selling the dream of a beach vacation combined with a music fest, but delivering on the fantasy was another story. He says, I don't think they set out to try and scam people and just have them fly out and it be a disaster. I think the idea was to deliver something that lived up to the marketing. It was just the reality of that that just proved to be incredibly impossible, (laughs) says. Uh, the documentary interviews not only the organizers and people who know McFarland, but also native Bahamians who worked to set up the festival and were never paid. Uh, Smith notes that he reached out to Billy McFarland to be interviewed for this documentary, but McFarland wanted to be paid in order to appear. Yeah, that's <laughs> so not he's surprising. Not <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the story. So just, yeah. there's a documentary now. Well, the funny thing is... <laughs> is um, <laughs> Hulu actually also has a documentary. Oh, really? That they that came out like right around the same time. Okay. Um, I know one of my friends just watched it. Uh, so yeah, just in case anyone thought we uh, we were sponsored by Netflix. Oh, we're definitely, we're definitely not. not. We're definitely not. Definitely not. Or Hulu for or that matter. Or Hulu or anyone. So, <laughs> but yeah, there's lots of documentaries now about this like massive screw up that was Fire Festival. It is kind of just a fascinating like event in right and it's easy to laugh at too history. because like no. the people who like bought all these tickets were like not like i don't know your like, average like people that you would probably person. like very much in real life just like they're just all rich <laughs> all yeah, rich, kind of like, like who... rich snobs like everyone like respond like posting about it was kind of like an instagram influencer or whatever and it's kind of i don't know yeah so it's almost this like, I shouldn't paint them pay- all with the same brush, but like, I have a feeling True. They're, like a lot, a lot of the complaints were very funny. Well, I think, yeah, I know what you're saying. Cause it's like a lot of people were very active on social media. They're in Instagram influencers mm-hmm. and whatnot, or, or like Facebook personas or whatever. And they have this image of this like life, you know, that's just like they're traveling and they're doing these things that are amazing and perfect. And then it's like, they go to this thing and it's supposed to be this awesome like party with celebrities and do all these cool things. And it's just this like dumb. <laughs> and then they're stranded on an island. I know. It was like, it was almost like it was a reality TV show, like unfolding in front of everyone's eyes. It's definitely like, yeah, it's, there's a, there's a healthy amount of shot in front of that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great word to use in this situation yes. because it exactly describes the situation. Yep. People taking pleasure in other people's pain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the, the fact that there wasn't enough food, I mean, that's kind of like, okay, really serious. but That's a little concerning. Yeah, but, but it yeah. still was funny. Yeah. 
Everyone's fine. I mean, everyone's fine. They made it off right. the island. So <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't a concern. Last story I brought is technology news. This is from Gizmodo. Uh, you can finally buy a robot that will be your friend. Yay! <laughs> it's about time, right? Um, so you thought our CES 2019 coverage was over? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're back. Uh, <laughs> there. There are a number of so-called companion robots now on the market, and several of them were on display at CES in Las Vegas. Uh, Some of these devices are small tabletop gadgets that essentially function like an enhanced Amazon Echo, but with more moving parts. But some of them are standing, walking uh, humanoid robots, such as Walker, by the uh, Chinese robotics company uh, Ubitech. Walker stands nearly five feet tall and weighs 170 pounds, so it's about the size of a real human person, and it acts like one, too. Uh, it's basically a okay. voice-controlled robot butler with hands that are nimble enough to open doors and pick up objects, and a face that's a giant touchscreen and responds to commands with cute expressions. So it's like basically this tiny robot person you can have in your home, which sounds so futuristic. Okay. <laughs> you don't seem sold yet. Well... Are you scared? I will wait till you're done, but I'm going to ask about where it is on the scale of cuteness to creepiness. It's super cute. I'll show you a picture. Okay. Um, but you're, the person that wrote the article said they were able to say, Walker, get me a Diet Coke. And Walker would walk over to the fridge, grab a Diet Coke, and then bring it back to you. Aw. Which sounds really fun. That's fun. Um, yeah. And the author said that it worked, even though the robot moves pretty slowly, which, I mean... That's that's fine. Yeah. I don't want fast robots. Fast robots scare me. <laughs> uh, yeah, scare um, me too and apparently, bit. it's also nearly silent when it moves, which is kind oh. of which is kind of a nice touch too. Yeah, that's so nice. It also means it could although sneak it up could on sneak you. up. Yeah, this is exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, it means you could turn around and it could be standing there watching you. <laughs> um, it, and it will actually go on sale worldwide this year. Oh, so it's that's very soon. near future. But yeah. they say it could cost as much as a new car. Oh. Okay. But like a low-end new car. But, but still. probably cost prohibitive for us. Yeah, very, yeah not, not reasonable to buy. All right. But it also dances. What? So you, Wait, so you can be like, robot dance, dance for me? Like, what would you... Why I was more you? thinking you have like a robot dance party, but I guess, oh, you could also, okay. I guess you could also do that, Alex, if that's what you want to do is make the robot dance well, for I'm just you. like, why would you... It just was framed in the context of like asking it to do things for you like errands it's like a butler right yeah it's essentially yeah it's supposed to be like a little butler okay but uh it looks really it looks neat i want to see one in person um, i would love to see one of those in, in person that'd be so in cool robot cool. i don't know and like i wonder if they'll open up like one day like dealerships you know how they do for cars but there's like robots you can and go they, in and like test them like and the robots sell themselves to you <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're, their own, <laughs> they're their own used car salesmen but robot salesmen I don't know. Can I see a photo? Yes. All right, here's a picture of Walker. Okay, okay. It's it's not creepy. No, it's got it's it I think it's pretty cute. It's like very round and has I think big if I eyes. was rating it on a scale of 1 to 5 where 1 <laughs> is cutest and 5 is creepy, I'd give it a 2. Okay. It's an interesting scale. <laughs> I don't know what the middle of yeah. that scale is, but... <laughs> also, 
usually it, usually it's like one is the worst thing. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't give it much thought. I just came up with it. It's all right. Off the top of my head. <laughs> I'll have a better skill next time. <laughs> okay. I look forward to your skill making skills improving. Okay. Okay, it's time for breaking news, the part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. All right. Ready, set, go! go! Okay, I found... Another story about the moon on the BBC. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, and apparently seeds taken up to the moon by a by China's, we'll call it Change 4. <laughs> Their Change 4 mission, they brought seeds to the moon and they like, they've sprouted. The seeds have sprouted on the moon. Wait, they're like on, in, the, or in the moon's soil? No, they're like oh. in Earth's soil in a canister, but like on the surface. Of the moon. Exposed to the... To the environment. Really? Yeah. Yes. What? (laughs) Okay. Explain more. (laughs) uh, This is the first time any biological matter has grown on the moon. It's being seen as a significant step towards long-term space exploration. The Change 4 is the first mission to land and explore the moon's far far side. That was... I didn't know that. Um, It touched down on January 3rd, uh, carrying instruments to analyze the region's geology Okay, it, the so the moon lander with the mission was carrying among its cargo soil containing cotton and potato seeds, yeast, and fruit fly eggs. The plants are in a sealed container on board, like the moon lander, mm-hmm. um, and so they're like in this contained like biosphere, and it's just on the lander, like exposed to the environment, but like in this container, and like in it, it's self uh, supposedly self sustaining environment, and the seeds are like growing. That's, that's like what they reported this that's week. That's wild. And, and the it, fruit it, flies are there so they can like pollinate things or. I don't actually know. It might be like because of like adding like biological matter into the soil, mm. which is something you have to do. You have to get like, you have to have like bacteria in there and stuff. I don't know. There's like this special like ecological. I learned some things from reading the Martian, but I don't really <laughs> know what I'm talking about. But like, I don't think it's a pollination thing. I think it has to do with like oh, okay. something else. That's still wild. Oh, I know. It's probably just the carbon dioxide oxygen transfer. Oh, yeah. That has to be what it is. That makes sense. Yeah. Aha. So, yeah. So, they have this we canister that's like a biosphere, <laughs> and it's growing, and it's living. On the moon. And it's on the moon surface. That's crazy. Yeah. So, I'm going to look forward. To, I'm sure they'll, they'll like keep posting updates about this. Yeah. Because they just sprouted this week, apparently, and so they're going to keep monitoring it. Maybe they'll bring back a moon potato. Whoa. Could eat some moon fries. Whoa! I want to eat moon fries. <laughs> That'd be fun. Spoiler alert: they taste like Earth fries. <laughs> <laughs> My breaking news comes from NPR. Uh, they they really okay. went to work on this headline. Um, it's okay. waiting. It's waiting there for you. Toto's Africa is playing on repeat in a desert. What? <laughs> Why? Where? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so Namibian uh, German artist Max, oh boy, Seedentopf? Sure. Uh, okay. His new sound installation plays Toto's 1982 hit Africa on loop in the middle of the coastal Namibian desert. He installed the project called Toto Forever, 
late last December while back home with his family in Namibia. Uh, six speakers are connected to an MP3 player that contains only the song, and it's all powered by solar energy so that it can run, and they quote, for all eternity, <laughs> which it won't because the technology will definitely eventually Degrade give in. And, but yeah. um, <laughs> sure, whatever you want to say. Um, <laughs> and for those who uh, want to try to find the shrine to Toto, the artist has included a map on uh, the site uh, that he associated with this installation, which also has a video of the installation, which I highly recommend watching because okay. it's very silly. Um, <laughs> but I went to the site and the map, it looks like he just drew an outline around the Namibian desert. <laughs> like, it's not like really it's a map. A hand sketch? It's not like... a, well, I mean, it's a, a digital version of the map, but oh. it's just like, it's not a, it's not a map to the the installation. It's oh. just, it just, he just circled the desert. So you're just going to <laughs> And like, what's the point of the map? <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if you didn't know where Namibia was, I guess, which I didn't, but still, it's okay. only the like, first step. Why would you I just go like, to that go... website to find that information? <laughs> There's I other mean, places where you can find that information. I guess he also probably wants to make it a little <laughs> difficult to find so that people don't go and immediately destroy it as people like tend to do with these kind of things. Yeah. Um, uh, but he said the installation is supposed to be a bit like a treasure that only the most loyal of Toto fans can find. So it's in a random location off the beaten path somewhere. Oh yeah. It's like from the pictures, it's just in the middle of some sand dunes, just wow, out in the sun. Whoa. I wonder how far away the sound carries. It's, it didn't seem like it was that loud from the video, but it was like loud enough that you could hear it standing a little bit away from it. Okay. So it wasn't like he was just pumping it out of like a Bluetooth speaker. It's the the speakers carried a little bit, but okay. yeah, it would be it would probably be really hard to find. <laughs> you know, someone's gonna go do that though. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt. Of, I'm waiting for the day that we report on somebody finding the yeah. Toto uh, art installation in the desert. And you know that that person's gonna be like, "Well, I studied the video of the installation, yeah, <laughs> diligently for seven days." I just don't and even... I noticed that the sun's pattern, it, it triangulated to this part of the desert. So I went there and then I thought, you know, yeah. people are like... People are, people are crazy like that. Thorough. Yeah. Well, I hope someone finds it. Otherwise, no one will hear it. Well, there's a video, so... They that's could, true. They could just use that. <laughs> that's true. Okay, well, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash News and on Twitter at, at News. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.